0: Let us pray. Lord, as we quiet our hearts and our minds now, we ask that you make us open to the movement of your Spirit, that you uh, enable us to receive any word of instruction that you may have for us this morning. And as your holy word is read, Lord, we ask that you prepare us to receive it, and that although these words... uh, may be written for another time and another place initially that they will come alive for us this morning infused with the, the power of your, your good news and that it will speak to our hearts here today. Bless this time that we have now in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The words that we just read were some of the closing remarks from Paul and his letter, his first letter to uh, the church in Thessalonica. Uh, and as you read it, as as you uh, Go through it, you see what it is, is. It's a list of things Paul is reminding the church of as, uh, as he wraps up this letter. They're kind of last words. Um, if you've ever left someone in charge, if you've ever had a babysitter or something like that that has that taken care of, of your kids or, or maybe if you've ever babysat, you know that the tendency when you leave is to remind them, okay, this is what you do, this is the numbers you call, this is where we're going to be at, and you say all the things that they already know. But you're saying them again as last-minute reminders. And that's what Paul is doing here in this letter. He has a list of reminders that he is giving them just just to wrap up uh, this letter to the Thessalonians. It's appropriate for us today because uh, this is an end of things. Today is the last Sunday of the church calendar. Now that may seem strange. Sometimes we think of the church calendar as coinciding with... Our regular calendar, or maybe we think of the church calendar as starting with a uh, charge conference, or maybe we think of it starting on Easter, but the truth is the church calendar starts with Advent, which begins next week, just as um, a, a, a mother who is preparing to, to give birth prepares for new life so too do we, as we move into the season of Advent, start to prepare for Christmas. We start to prepare for the reality that Christ came and dwelt among us. And that's the beginning of something new. But today is the end of the old year. And so we are reading these words from Paul as reminders. One last thing. One thing, one list of things to remind us how we should live. How we should interact with each other. And how we should behave as the church. And what are some of these things in this list? He says admonish, he says encourage, help, be patient. With who? With all. And he says do good, not to some, but to everyone. Paul is telling them admonish, encourage, love, be patient, strive with everyone. And then in verse 16 he says Something that seems impossible. Rejoice always. That sounds like a hard thing to do. How can we rejoice always? How can we have joy even when our circumstances are not desirable? Even when things on the outside are, are offending us or oppressing us or afflicting us or something, how is it possible to have joy in the midst of that? When we look at the book of Job, we see, and and I'll be honest, the book of Job, in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even to me. This guy could lose everything. He lost all of his children to a plague, and he lost his wife, and he lost his land, and his livestock, and he even lost his own health. And in the midst of it all, he still gave praise to God. And how did he do that? Because he had a joy inside him that could not be moved. His joy was not contingent upon his outer circumstances. And so Paul is telling us, Rejoice always, no matter the circumstances. Maintain that joy. Hold on to that joy. But sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to rejoice. And that's why he goes on to say in verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances. Because you see, it's hard To not be joyful if you're giving thanks. The second you start thinking about what you have to be thankful for, a little bit of joy starts to spring up. No matter what's going on in the world around you, no matter what your circumstances are, once you begin to think of something you're thankful for, joy starts to bud. It starts to grow. And we all have something to be thankful for. Sometimes it may not feel like it, it may not seem like it, but when we get to that point, we have to strip it all down and get to something, simple as it may be, that we have to be thankful for. What do we have to be thankful for? It could be something as simple as a friendship, a relationship. It could be something even as simple as a a memory, a good memory that we cherish and we hold on to. And we're thankful that we have there. But we we start somewhere. We start with something that we are thankful for. And it begins to grow. And as we think of that, we start to experience joy. Because even in our harsh circumstances, we can rejoice. We can give thanks. How are we able to do that? With the assistance, with the power, with the movement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he was going to send a helper to his followers, and he was talking about his own spirit. He said when he leaves, his spirit will be, be left here to, to encourage us, to guide us, to direct us. And that spirit reminds us of how to be joyful, how to be thankful. And when we live our lives in the spirit, when we live our lives directed by the guidance of that spirit, we start to see the way God is blessing us and the way God is blessing those around us. And it's like we have this whole other perspective. We have a whole new lens that we see life through that we don't normally see it through. So really what we're talking about is a change of perspective that can only come through His Spirit. It's a holy perspective. And what it does is it breaks down the barriers that cause us to turn inward, that cause us to become isolated. When we have this perspective that that things are set against us, That there are people out there who oppose us. That there are blessings out there we're not receiving. That there are things we can't get that we wish we had. Or there are things out there that we once had and lost. When we think that way, when we have that perspective, we place ourselves in isolation. Because we're building up walls. We're choosing to to see ourselves in in this, this isolated circumstance. And we are putting ourselves on an island. And what that creates in us an us and them mentality. And you see that all over the country today with with people who are who are both protesting, who are angry about the election, and people who are rejoicing about the election. You see both sides guilty of, of isolating themselves from the other, putting up these walls of division. And what has happened? They're thinking about something that they are thankful for because they got what they wanted or they're thinking about something that they are miserable over because they didn't get what they wanted. And it's all perspective. It's all a change in perspective. But when our perspective is lifted, when it is sanctified, and when we see things the way the Holy Spirit leads us to see it, we see that we are all children of God. We are all sinners in need of His grace. We are all loved None of us are worthy of his blessing, but it is available to all of us. You see, we have a bad case, especially here in America, of this us-and-them mentality. All you have to do is look at our sports world. When, when we get all excited about our team, it's not enough to cheer for one team. We have to find another team that we can't stand. And then our hatred for them grows so much that we can't stand their fans. And it just becomes this division and then all during football season, you can't talk to people that you talk to in the springtime. <laughs> we, we tend to lose a lot of friends every four years when there's an election. And we get divided politically. And people that normally we would be in, in, in harmony with, in fellowship with. And all of a sudden, there's this friction, there's this division. Because we've isolated ourselves. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up to find our happiness in circumstances and outcomes rather than in the love and the blessings, the joy, the peace that is available all around us when we're living and walking in the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these have something to do with how we interact with each other, how we respond to each other, how we live with each other. And when we aren't grieving the Spirit, then we are, those things can grow in us. Those things can take off, they can shape us, and they can transform our relationships for the better. And as Paul goes through his list saying, rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances, he goes on to say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we we grieve the Holy Spirit through sin, just from from rebellion, just from turning our backs to Christ. We grieve the Spirit and, and he can't direct us. But I think sometimes we grieve the Spirit just simply because we're not listening to it. Just simply because we've we've got our focus, our vision, our thoughts are all locked in to this thing that we desire or this thing that we want to have happen. And and again, our perspective has shifted from a spirit-filled focus focus to a self-filled focus. But the answer for it all is thanksgiving. To realize that we've all been blessed in some way. Once we realize that... God's spirit can move on us, it can direct us, it can inspire us, and we start to recognize we're not worthy of those blessings any more than anyone else. When we consider the way that God has extended His love to us, even while we were yet sinners, how can we turn our backs on other people? How can we refuse to see other people as anything less than fellow human beings? Fellow children of God, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. That's right. Just as God forgives us, just as he shows mercy and grace to us, we must also show mercy and grace to each other even in turbulent times, even in disagreeable times, even in the midst of of tragic circumstances, even in the midst of wonderful circumstances. We must show each other the same measure of love and grace that has been extended to us by a God who has blessed us. This week, people all across America will gather around the Thanksgiving table, and my concern is, especially with, with all that's been going on, that all across America at those tables, there's going to be some quarrels. Probably over politics. Maybe some over football. But most of them, probably politically charged. And you can sit there and think, well, not in my family. We're all conservative. Or we're all liberal. And we're all going to agree. And and it's going to be wonderful because at Thanksgiving, we're just going to thank God for the things that we agree about. But be careful because... Whether you realize it or not, there may be people there at the table with you who don't agree with everything you agree with. They may not voice it. They may not say it. But a time when we can gather together in peace and think about our blessings can easily become a time of contention. It can become a time of of quarreling very quickly if we're not careful. And the reason why is because we go from thinking about our blessings and what we're thankful for to thinking about the people who oppose us and how wrong we think that they might be. What happens when we do that? When we sit down at the table and we say thanks and we talk about our blessings and then we start quarreling with each other? It's the very same thing James talked about in the third chapter, verses 9 and 10. He says you bless the Lord with your tongue and then you turn around and you curse each other with the same tongue. It should not be so. This is a time for us to count our blessings. Every day is a day to count our blessings, to realize the way that God has blessed us, the way that God has has, uh, shown His, his mercy and his grace to us. And if we are truly focused on that, if we are truly willing to give thanks in that way, then we can't possibly turn around and belittle and be angry at each other. Paul's parting words are reminders of, how the, of what the church in Thessalonica already knew. And I'm sure that we know them too, that we ought to be patient, we ought to rejoice, we ought to live in peace and love with one another. But it's not enough to just know these things and know that we ought to do them. We must live them out or else that faith that we claim, that faith that we know about is not being lived out. We have to live out that faith. That faith must become the thing that shapes our actions and in turn shapes our relationships and the way we handle the people around us. When we recognize how undeserving we are, how foolish we are, how ignorant we can be, and how rebellious we can be, and we see that God loves us and blesses us anyway, it's a lot easier for us to love and bless each other. Saying that we're thankful and living our lives like we're thankful are two different things. If we wish to put Thanksgiving into action this season, we must recognize how God has been gracious to us. And in the same way, we must be gracious and loving to each other, even when we think that other people may or may not deserve it. Let us pray. Lord, help us to recognize, help us to to see that we all do have something to be thankful for. Even if it's the smallest of things, Lord, we ask that you call our attention to that. That you help us to recall that in our heart and in our mind. And that as we dwell on that, as we focus on, on that blessing, that a little bit of joy will spring up within us. And then from there, Lord, we ask that you help us to understand that that blessing, that joy we feel, that love that we feel through that blessing, it's not deserved, it's not earned. It's given to us because of your grace. Lord, let us receive that grace, let us receive that love, but not to hold on to for our own, but to give it to others so that we can live peaceably, And we can put our our newfound thanksgiving into action. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 144. This is my father's world. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing. Hymn number 144.